we, you know, we'd take him. We got to put a lot of weight on that frame. So I was like 6'4", 175. I was like, I was just a skeleton <laughs> out there. Um, but look at me now, Greg. Yeah, look at, look at me now, Greg. <laughs> look at me now. You wouldn't believe that I'm trying to lose, lose 30 pounds. <laughs> Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I got to keep it on the 80. It's the gold ring. Did you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. This is episode 46 of the Break 80 Podcast. Stouts here back, refreshed from my little spring va- uh, break vacay down to Florida to escape this disaster of a state. Uh, and I'm joined tonight by Mike. I think uh, and that's it. We have the OGs back reunited. The, yeah, the original it's, like, it's like day one. Ah, gangsters. Yep, day one. <laughs> um, Tim is still uh, on his way back from California in the process of traveling home. So we're going to rock us two tonight. Just kind of let it rip and uh, have a good time. Tim, who's been in California playing Tory Pines, mostly playing Pelican, Halo, or something like that. Rams, the lack Halo. of social media. The lack of social media postings. He's going to hear about this from the rest of the pod. For yes, sure. I, I think he lacks a lot of things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, well, let's that. What's, what's your favorite thing about traveling, Mike? Like when you go on a, you know, it doesn't need to be like golf necessarily, just traveling in general, family, whatever. What is one am, thing uh, that he's like? I'm a big travel guy. I'd, I'm an inquisitive guy by uh, by nature. So I just like seeing new stuff, checking it out. You know, I'll stop and read the stupid plaques here and there about what's going on. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not a big beach sitter. I just want to sit. I want to go do stuff and see stuff. So... Um. Yeah, trying new food, just seeing different stuff. I'm a history guy, so I like I like old places. You know, like when I go to Europe and all that stuff, it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I, you know, obviously, if I can golf, I can golf. But um, just in general, I like being new places, seeing new things. What about least least favorite thing traveling? Oh, God. Um. Well, <laughs> if you're six five and you're flying, you know, and on the airplane for like six, seven, eight hours, depending on where you're going, that's like hell on earth or hell in the air. Uh, and then you're flying if you're flying like spirit in the United States, then it's even worse. <laughs> but I so that's that. bad. Um, you know, I, there's really not a lot I dislike about traveling. I, you know, I, I like it all. I like, yeah, the, the flying once in a while. I don't, I don't wait, know. If wait, so you're not a okay. So you're not a guy that shows up early for a tea time and gets and gets some uh, swings in. So my question is, when do you show up for a flight? Huh? Oh, I got well. Are you a trunk slammer? Like I gotta make my oh plane. yeah. Hold the I plane. Had to, um, <laughs> I had to get rushed through the airport in Dublin, Ireland, and my passport has a my passport has a special stamp on the back. Because they put they rushed me through this 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 weird customs area because we were late. My fiance and I late to our to our flight. They got us on the airplane. We made it back to America, but uh, we had to get a special um, 
a special, I don't even know what you call it, a special pass through kind of probably like six, seven escort, years ago. They're just like, you know, move over, like we're coming through. Yeah. Well, no, they said we're, we, I don't remember how it played out. It was 2016 and uh, Dublin doesn't have a huge airport, but we were, we got late start. I don't know. We got late getting there. You know, we, we were, we weren't like super late, like five minutes, but we were within an hour. Okay. So we yeah. got it, and they claim like two hours you should be there early for international flights. Yeah. And we got there and got our shit in the spots. And they're like, We gotta get you through customs. We can't go to the normal, you won't get on the plane. Let's just go this way. So they brought us some, some special <laughs> I, classic. I have to go look at my passport, but I think it's on the back. Like they they stamped it in a weird spot. Um I'd be willing to bet. I'd be willing to bet that people that show up early for flights are the same people that are showing up early for their tea times. Getting a warm up in, getting some putts in, putts in. It's the same people that are going to get there two and a half hours before they're playing. You know, kind of a. I think it's just kind of a personality thing. Yeah, I mean, the the type A people get there really early. When I have my golf clubs, I'll get there a little earlier just to make sure that all gets checked in and everything. That's a pain in the ass. But you know, I I kind of like airports. Uh, it depends. Minneapolis, we're spoiled. I think we have a nice airport. You know, yeah, rest, sure. rest, restaurants and shit to do and sit there and drink, whatever. Some of them are terrible, like like Sky Harbor and Phoenix. What a terrible airport. Is it bad? I... Oh, it's atrocious. And it, like even Vegas, their airport sucks, too. There's a lot of shitty airports out there. I, I hate the Yeah, I hate the the airports that you got to sit there and like take skyways to this and take a little train shuttle to this. That yeah. kind of stuff always thinks. Um, I I do find it's fascinating. It's like it's you know you talk about golf course architecture. Like there's just so many different types of airports. The way they're built and designed. Yeah, like Denver, Denver Illuminati. It's got uh, <laughs> it's got. You've been to Denver's airport? I've been. Yeah, I've been. I've been. I've traveled quite a bit. The only one I, I haven't been a ton out east besides like the New, new York. Denver is New York one, but thing ever. It's like way out there, out of town. You got the, yeah. you got like the North Korean soldier things with with the skeletons. You got the giant horse that fell on its uh, creator or whatever, killed him or something like that. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because I've flown out to Denver just specifically to go to Denver. And I've also been laid over there, but it's just like trying to recall everything in the airport. I don't really, I don't have, I don't have a lot of recollection of that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, I think the worst thing is trying to predict if you have to check a bag, like predict that and top of what is security going to, how long is that going to take? So that's the worst. Yeah. In my opinion. I think like, I, I always say I'm going to do this and I never do it. A guy should buy like an Apple AirTag for 25 bucks and put it in his golf bag, you know, or something. That way, if the, oh. if the airline loses it, you'll know where it is. And you can just tell them here, it's you let breath of this airport, you idiots, bring it back or something like that. But um, you, you notice on TikTok, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, I just was going to say, I, I saw this on like TikTok. So one one kid, I think he's like 22 years old, started to do this. And I didn't really think about it. He would find a flight. Um, he wanted to go somewhere. So it would be Miami or whatever. But he would find a flight that, was just a layover in Miami and he would just get off of it and just get to his place. Cause he'd find it. He was, he was finding a way that they were cheaper oh. than just directly flying to Miami. I so he that. kind of, I think he got like arrested or something like this or some, you know, some, <laughs> and he kind of cracked the code. I was like, you know what? That's so genius. Like you just kind of find somewhere else it goes to and then just get off and be done. You obviously can't check a bag, but that's a kind of a cool little tip to, to try. The last time I traveled to Miami, 
we were down on South Beach late at night and some kid got shot at a Walgreens. <laughs> and, I, and I was I don't need like, to laugh it's just like no I know it was bizarre it was like two or three in the morning you know and it's some kid gets shot and then I remember like sitting there watching them do like they did like the paint like like the line or whatever no <laughs> yeah the body well the body had because it was like they couldn't tape off like the whole area because it was kind of like out like right in, like you know when you go in there's, there's the doors that move or whatever it's like right in front of the building and there's people all over the place. So they have it like cordoned off. And the body was like, I don't know. I caught the very end of it, but they were like, they had already drawn the line and all that. Are you shit. sure? Was, had, are you sure like, it was an episode of Miami Vice? No, <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, in South, this is in South Beach. I'm unless, unless I was really shit faced or something and dreaming about this, but I'm pretty sure that happened. Um, fun, but, fact, um, fun fact. There are some, some, some nudists in, in, at South Beach. Oh yeah. I I've, hate I've definitely, I've definitely been there. I hated South Beach. Hated it. I would the Florida Keys were fun. And you just walk around. That's laid back. That's my kind of vibe. Just chill. South Beach was like, huh, huh, that's cool. Another Ferrari, you know, burning rubber on the road at two, three in the morning, trying to be cool. Like that's all it is, is everybody trying to show off and just stupid. So well, I guess I'll, I just want to t- chat a little bit about my trip to Florida because I think I got a um, couple of things that, you know, would be worth sharing. I obviously did a lot of family time kind of stuff you know went to beaches and swam and stuff but one of the things we did we dropped my wife out wife off at the the airport and in fort myers because she it wasn't technically her spring break so she came out just for a couple of days well we went over to hammond stadium which is i, I think it's called hammond stadium we can't officially so. something like that where the where the twins did a spring training and and we just were going to show our kids you know my kids what what it looked like you know we thought maybe we, they'll give us a tour of it or something you know who knows so let's just show up, see what happens. So we we drive in there, no barely any cars. I mean, I'm guessing most of the cars ended up being the they had. I'm guessing the players' cars because we show up and the only people that are there are the the old people that just basically sit outside a door, are just kind of sitting outside these doors and they're super friendly. And one one was from Minnesota and was talking to us a little bit, but so we ended up we ended up just kind of walking and all of a sudden all these twins start walking by us and like. I didn't realize it, but they had a game that night, but it's not at home. So nobody's really looking to come out to, to the stadium because there's no game. There's no practice. I mean, they they did a bunch of warming up and things, and and we just got such cool access to the players. We were like, you know, I'm sitting here watching 10 feet away Max Kepler hit balls. I'm watching um, Kirilov kind of, I think he's on the IL or whatever, kind of work on his legs, and he's doing some running sprints right next to us. Talk to Dick Bramer for like, you know, 30 minutes. He gave my kids two two um um baseballs and then they started getting those signed by all the players. And um so kind of a little mini 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 tip. If you're gonna be out in Fort Myers, go not necessarily to a game. I mean you could, but if you like want like cool, close access, go like on a day that they have an away game. Cause they kind of show up to the stadium around like two. They do a bunch of like pre-hitting in the in the cages. I saw Justin Morneau sitting right there. I mean, it was just kind of awesome. I'll admit, like, I haven't watched a lot of Twins. Um, so I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Walk by. No idea who that is. Walk by. <laughs> but you know they're Twins. It's like, you know, if you actually had some sort of a idea, you would be like, oh, that's so-and-so. So I thought that was pretty cool. So a little trick and tip. You go out to Fort Myers, check it out on, like, an away game, and you, uh, you'll probably hit the gold mine like we did. You uh, 
You didn't see my neighbor, Miguel Sano, roaming down there anywhere, did you? He's I did not. See, no, that one I would agent. not miss. He's a that free agent. He's a big guy. Is he? Yeah, I live right not, by him. He lives like four so houses down. He, so we never, like, he's gone? I think so. His house is always, like, I've driven by it a few times here because it's, like, not on my street, but it's, like, right behind me, which is the most bizarre thing ever that he lives in this average, like, I suppose, but he, yeah. he's never here. Uh but uh, it's been like empty. I haven't seen lights on or anything for uh, like all winter, which is probably not. I'm sure he's never here in the winter time because he's probably down in the Dominican River. But he's a free agent still, I think. Interesting. But I've seen him a couple of times right around here, and he is a humongous human being. And I'm pretty big, and he makes me look small. Dude, his thighs gigantic. Yeah. Well, I did get. Uh, I got. I think I got four and a half rounds of golf in down Holy in Florida. Um, yeah, I've been playing. I got lucky. You know, my kids are a little bit older now where it's like, if I can get up and play pretty early, like nobody really cares. I mean, they're just kind of, you know, just starting to get up and they sleep in a little bit more now. Um, but I want to say, you know, I played in pretty good conditions. Like we're not talking, you know, the weather was great, not super windy. And I think I started to learn a little bit more about my game. You know, I'm kind of having these epiphanies about my game where it's like, I kind of knew my insufficiencies, but I didn't really always know how to diagnose them. That's why I would come up with random swing thoughts. I'd be like, oh, I need to do this swing thought. I need, but now that I actually know more about the golf swing, and I think part of that is social media. Like I'm, I can go on TikTok and all of a sudden see like 15 straight videos on the golf swing, like what you're, you know, what you need to do to do this and that. And it's like, I watch my golf swing. I'm like, oh, that looks gross. I need, this is why I suck at this and that. And and one of the things I love to do is I love to stand up in my swing. I I don't keep my spine angle. I think I'm trying to create more room. So I do this, and that's why I lose so much distance because I'm like standing up, swinging the club. It doesn't go anywhere. I'm not using my hips. Heck, I'm 41 years old now. Like I gotta I gotta start using everything to my advantage. I use physics. Yeah, us 41 so, year us 41 year olds. We gotta yeah. <laughs> we gotta uh, gotta use what we got. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Four and a half rounds. Holy crap. I, I haven't played That's a since lot. like October outside. <laughs> I know. And I, and I, and it's just thing. Like what sucks is like, I know I, I have low, low rounds in me. So I shot two, two of the rounds in, in the seventies. And it's like, when I think back, like when I was like on top of my game, those would have been easy mid to low seventies. Like I would just do something dumb every hole. It, it would be like, you know, either it's a three putt or, I'm just off the green and it's like an easy up and down and I don't get up and down or be like, um, I, for some reason, pull one short sided. Now I can't get up and down or I go into the only bunker on the entire hole. You know, it's just like, I can just sit there and add up. What am I, or you can go a mile to the left and what am I doing? I'm going to the right where there happens to be crap. You know, just stupid stuff. And you think back and it's like, why do you do that? Like you could have, you would have easily parred this hole if you just didn't go right. Maybe, so, you get, maybe you get stuck in that mindset that it has to be in the fairway. The fairway is like the most overrated thing in golf. If just hit it to the safe spot, the rough, the rough is better than out of bounds or in the trees or something. Yeah, of course. And it's like we're not good enough to like, oh, you know, I need to be in the fairway. This and that. It's like, and it's the rough's not like horrible. It's yeah, it's Bermuda, but it's like that doesn't really make as much of a difference from a you know, amateur golf standpoint. So it was just really weird. I'm just thinking like, why am I doing these things? Like, I don't, I just don't feel like I'm very comfortable in my own golf skin right now. And I don't know why it's just been kind of a weird last year and a half, two years. 
for me. So I don't know. I got to get back to just not trying to play perfect. Just play smart. Enjoy it. You know, contact is good. Good contact is good. That's all. I mean, whether you hit the green or not, good contact is good. Like that's, I'm going to really say, Hey, I hit that solid. Even if it doesn't hit the green and be and be happy about that. So I don't know. I did uh, also get a chance to watch a lot of NCAA uh, basketball in Florida. Did you catch any of that? What are your thoughts on the tournament this year? It's been great. It's been, uh, I'm a hoops guy. Um, It's, uh, I don't even know. It's always great. Everything never disappoints. And I was telling somebody, it's like, it is, again, and obviously this is an opinion, but without a doubt, the greatest sporting event we have in the United States. Like, I know the Super Bowl, you know, is the biggest one day thing, but there is nothing else that compares to like the excitement and the every year it never lets you down. Now that will the championship game may be a blowout. I don't know, but like there have been so many upsets. Three of these teams have never made the final four before the, there wasn't a single number one seed in the elite eight or whatever. There wasn't, it was, it's been unbelievable. Florida Atlantic. I, Come on. I can't, Well, and that's what, that's what's crazy. Um, so I thought, which was interesting, is like Florida Atlantics of the world. Okay, why are they not just getting hammered this year? With because what ends up happening is, you know, with the new NIL, you can transfer basically anybody can transfer. It seems like twice at least. Yeah, the portal, COVID. That's so. The COVID so why? So that. so how are they like? How are they developing guys? Um, you know, it seems like you can't keep anybody if you're having success at Florida Atlantic then you are probably looking to, you know, upgrade to another conference after you are good. Right. So like, how did they get their guys to either stay there or, you know, get to be where they're good enough to, you know, make it to the final four, which is fascinating to me. I don't understand how they're in this day of age able to do that. Cause I thought it would kill the Florida Atlantics of the world. Yeah. Well, do they have any one player on that team that you can, you watch them and you're like, this kid can should for sure be going to a a big conference. I don't know if they um, do, no, but they're no. really deep. They're super deep. They play a lot of guys. See, that's what drives me nuts. Like, why? You know, you look at. I I just kind of think of the Gophers. That's why I watch. It's like they don't have any depth ever. So how how yeah. is Florida Atlantic developing depth? And I think it comes back to, you know, um, it comes back to having some sort of an identity. Like you need to like the identity of those guys. They run out. They play fast. They yeah, you know, they get they, after they, on D. They, they, so I don't know. It's, I thought that was kind of interesting. And I was going to share a little uh, kind of a fun, bad beat. So my brother was out in Vegas. Yeah. Um, he goes every year, March Madness. Sends Perfect. me a text um, and says, I got Gonzaga tonight at, they have to, at four and a half. So they have to win by five or more. All right. They're playing TCU. It's a parlay. He had already won from his Utah Valley, not Utah State. He had parlayed Utah Valley because he had heard from another buddy. They cover 80% of the time, and they did. By the way, that's Mark Madsen's team. Coaches that team. Mad dog. <laughs> mad, mad dog. Mad dog. So anyways, um, Gonzaga versus uh, TCU. It's it's a really good game, close. You know, he's kind of on, you know, he's, he's sending, like, memes of, like, you know, hanging on and, like, you know, I'm getting nervous and, what ends up happening is Gonzaga goes up uh, seven 
with like, I don't know, 15 seconds left, right? So then here comes TCU down and something, you know, out of bounds, get it in. Some guy makes some random chuck up three. Okay, so now it's four. He's not winning now. So there's like three seconds left. He's not winning. All right, so they inbound the ball. It doesn't look like they're going to foul. So he's like, F. They've, somebody fouls the guy with 0.7 seconds for whatever reason. So now he's like, I need one free throw and I win. Okay. Guy goes to the line, sinks them both. So we're sending texts like, you did it. Because he's winning. Uh, he's going to win. Uh, on this bet alone, he wins $2,350. So, I mean, he put, I don't know what that comes out to be. I mean, that's a pretty good, that's a nice win. All yeah. right. He's, we're sending him congrats text. He's, you know, thanks guys. That was a, you know, nervous sweat. TCU gets the, gets the ball from the free throw, made free throw, kind of rolls it down the court. Everybody's hugging, by the way, the game's over. Guys <laughs> are saying nice game. This one guy lets it bounce all the way down the court, picks it up just after half court, throws it up. It goes in. Nice. He loses his bet. <laughs> I've never seen a worse bet. And of course, it was all over social media. Like, of that's course. one of the wor- worst, ba- you know, well, baddest beats ever. And I was just like, dude, I feel like that. I can't. That makes me never want to gamble. Gonzaga got theirs from my pick to win it all at the beginning of this tournament the Yukon Huskies. That's okay. who I got to. That's who I got. Really? Winning. Oh, yeah. I've, I was telling everybody that would listen to me that they, they, they are ready. <laughs> Anytime UConn is good in the tournament, they do well. They make runs, and they're physical. They're well coached. They 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 were up thirty one on Gonzaga at one point in that game the other day. Horrible. I mean, unbelievable. Well, I don't know, like, because what is it? Is it UConn Miami? I haven't even looked. Is it San yeah, Diego UConn, State? Man, UConn Miami on that side. I would not want to play San Diego State if I was out there playing. They get in your grill. They're physical. They're big. That they know their identity. They know they're not going to come out there and outscore you. They just come out there and and beat the shit out of you. And we, like, call them, we call them dogs. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> what did it say? They were playing Creighton, which I got a good Greg McDermott story too. But um, and uh, what was the stat Go, at, going into that game against Creighton? Teams were shooting eighteen percent from the three point line against them. Like you are not going to beat San Diego State if you can't make some shots because they're in your they're in your face. But they, they play hell hellacious defense and they beat the shit out of you. And the Gophers should have hired Brian Dutcher back in the day because his his dad was the Gophers coach in the eighties, mm-hmm. and uh, now he's at San Diego State doing well. Um, you think they work on closeouts? A little bit of practice. Yeah, <laughs> that I would think. be the worst. I would never go to that college because I just closeouts. Yeah, all so, my time on closeouts. I wanted Creighton to win though because, um. McDermott is kind of one of us. He's got all around Minnesota, not not quite Minnesota ties. He was a grad assistant at uh, UND. Then he went to Wayne, Nebraska. And then when he was the head coach at NDSU, I actually took an official recruiting visit to NDSU when he was the head coach. Uh, God, this is a long time ago. This would have been like the spring of 2000 or something like that. I don't even know. That's awesome, dude. A long time ago. And um, the funny thing is, um, Doug McDermott, his son, was just little at the time. You know, yeah, he's, younger, Doug, he's, Doug, young, he's younger than we are. And I remember vividly because uh, he was off in the side just shooting baskets, man, making everything. This little kid, 
now he's in the NBA, but I remember, I remember this recruiting trip pretty well because there was, there was me and four other high school kids and we were going to scrimmage the NDSU team, like us five recruits versus NDSU. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and McDermott's got this thing set up and so we, we come down there sometime at the beginning of the game and, you know, I'm sloughing off on defense and the guy hit the guy bangs like a 30 footer, just a pull up three from deep. <laughs> so, so, so like the very next time down the floor, I'm like, fuck. So they throw it to the wing and I close out hard and he goes right around me and just pops up <laughs> and kind of dunked on just hardcore dunk. And I was like, holy shit, this is a rough start. But he, he was, <laughs> he was the NC, the reigning NCC player of the year at the time. Um, he was good. But I remember uh, we, I sat down afterwards with McDermott and uh, my dad, you know, who's a high school basketball coach. And he's like, ah, don't feel bad about that out there. You're playing, you're regarding the best player of the conference. I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> he's like, yeah, well, Red, we, you know, we'd take him. We're going to put a lot of weight on that frame. So I was like 6'4", 175. I was like, I was just a skeleton <laughs> out there. Um, but look at me now, Greg. Yeah, look at look at me now, Greg. <laughs> look at me now. You wouldn't believe that I'm trying to lose lose thirty pounds. <laughs> that's, um, that's great. Yeah, I didn't so know I, that. That's a cool little tidbit. Yeah, but he's uh, he's bounced around. But the crazy thing about them, and I, I know we're I know it's the golf podcast. We're kind of digging into the hoops. Is they run a incredible amount of set plays. Like a college coach told me once that he had went to a practice and whatever. He knew somebody that knew McDermott at Creighton here and they had 130 set plays in. He said the practices were basically like football where they're just running through plays. It takes so long to go through them all. But can you imagine preparing to play them? Like they, they, they have plays on top of plays and counters on top of counters. Crazy. Well, if you're the assistant coach that's responsible for like calling out everything, oh, like you'd God. be up all night trying to figure that out. And then they have counters, I'm sure, on, on, you know, counter to this, counter to that. If they do this, we do that. That'd be yeah. really That'd be a, that wouldn't be very fun to prepare for at all. Part of me is glad Texas got beat too by Miami because I didn't want to see a former gopher in the final four. <laughs> no. Well, actually, you know what? Hey, you, you are. You are seeing a former gopher in the final four. Former Who's F- that? FAU. Brian Greenlee went to Minnesota his freshman year. Richard Patino. He was a backup point guard. He played very sparingly. Behind car, right? Uh, yeah, that'd been probably behind Carr. Carr was yep. playing at Texas. Yep. He got hurt. So, so he was, you know, at the time I thought over his skis, you know, he's coming in the big 10. He wasn't really highly recruited, but, uh, yeah, found his footing in FAU and has a nice little role there. You talk about a coach that made himself some money in a one month span, the FAU coach. <laughs> Holy fuck. Can you imagine? Like, can you imagine? I don't know if he's married or whatnot, but can you imagine his wife sitting at home? Like. You're getting paid 250 grand a year. What's Penn State willing to offer this guy or something like that? I mean, he's going to make crazy money, but that's what they do. Those guys, if you can, if you can get to that level, you know, if you're a mid-major guy and you can get to that level, all you need is one run and one contract and you're set for life. Look at Tim Miles. Tim Miles could actually coach. You know, he was at South Mayville State, Southwest State, NDSU. Um, He went to Nebraska. You know, he got that job. What were they? It was like eleven million dollar contract for whatever years, yeah. and then they fired them, so they had to buy it out and pay it all. Like holy shit balls, those guys make crazy I... money, but but they hop around like the the Fairly Dickinson guy. He didn't take him long to replace Patino at Iona. 
but uh i don't know work the ladder you you make but it's kind of like it's like uh it's like a guy in the pga tour right it just takes one hot round at whatever to all of a sudden now i'm set i'm into all these events i'm playing in this playing in that i got hot and i want them now i'm in the masters now i'm in this so it's kind of very similar you know the the pressure to how the importance of making a run can really impact the rest of your career. Yeah. I think when earlier you're talking about the transfer portal and everything. I think who it really kills is not like FAU is in conference USA, I think. Right. So they're kind of like, they're not a power five, but they're in that next tier with like Memphis and stuff. Yeah. It really kills like your South Dakota States or whatever. Cause like the lefty for Creighton, they're, they're a good player. One of the good players. He was a South Dakota state guy. He left. I saw St. Thomas here in the twin cities had the uh, summit league like freshman of the year. And he's like, guard, this. Yeah. I'm out of here. I can go to somewhere bigger. Cause those, those schools are are, are going to get gutted by, by. And it used that. to be, well, and it used to be, I, I play, I red shirt. I play four years in my grad transfer. Then I'll go to one of those. Right yeah. now. It's like, if I have one good year, I'm out of here. I think the flip side of it though, I will say like, I think that is why part of the reason why in the NCAA tournament, in the last, you know, like maybe like 10 years, you see deeper runs by smaller schools because the big, the blue bloods, you know, the Kentuckys and the North Carolinas, they get the one and done kids and the two years and done like a San Diego state has like men, you know, like they're not, those mm-hmm. aren't 18 and 19 year old kids out there. Those are like 21 year olds who have been there for three, four years and they've put on the weight. They're now men. They're not skinny, you know, high school kids. They're just men who are beating the shit out of you out there. You know, that's they're, not, they're big... not six four, one seventy-five. No, no, they're not like well, I was in high school, but like <laughs> I think that's a that's that's a huge difference, you know. Like, you know, most people don't, you know, when they're in high school, they're not they can eat whatever they want and don't gain weight. They're just like you're you're just most people are pretty skinny, you know, compared to yeah. when you are in college for three years and they got you on a meal plan, lifting weights and and getting you big and strong and physical. So I think that has something to do with it. There's just, it's like some, some of those teams get a lot of high end talent. And then the other ones develop the guys who turn it, you know, you're, you're a man now at age 22 out there playing. Um, mm-hmm. But there is not a single McDonald's all American in the final four. Yeah. None. There wasn't a single one seed in the lead eight. I mean, that's all, these are all like new things, you know, another, another one seed loss. I would say this, like, the tournament's been fast, fantastic. The tournament is a great product. It's, it's, uh, you know, you, you get such fun games every year. The, the, the dramatics are amazing. I will say that I did watch a lot of less basketball this year, college basketball. And I think the biggest reason to me is because I just can't keep up with the constant shuffle of players. I can't, I can't even get invested when it's like nobody stays any put anymore. It's like constant movement of everybody. Like I am a big Syracuse fan. I'm having a hard time keeping up with them lately. I I know the gopher situation because I get all the local media stuff, but it's like even them, they they gut their team, they retry to build with transfers, gut their team, you know, re, rebuild it. It's like constant. And there's no consistency, there's no continuity anymore. And it's like hard to follow who in the heck's on what team. I'm a gopher diehard, and I will be always, but this year. I used to watch a lot of the Gophers games, go to some, there's nothing like the barn when the Gophers are good. You go to a big game at the bar, a big, big 10 game. It's packed when, when they're playing well, that's a fun atmosphere. But this year I had to stop watching sometimes. It was like unwatchable. They were so bad, but you know, here's my take on this whole tournament thing. 
My favorite player to watch, individual player, is not in the men's tournament. She's playing in the women's tournament. I mean, like, Caitlin Clark from Iowa is unreal. Like, it's like Steph Curry kind of stuff. Like, just pulling mm-hmm. up from crazy. Did you see her the other night where she caught a pass at, like, half court? And defender came, she went, like, behind her back. And then just just pulled the trigger from, like, 30 feet, just nylon. It it remind it kind of reminds me, and by the way, she just passed this girl, but like when Rachel Bannon would have her crazy like game, like when she score like 61 game. Yeah. Rachel Bannon, she just passed Rachel Bannon. It's like when a girl gets like to the point where she doesn't need to be overly athletic. She's not dunk. She just knows how to get to her spots. She knows how to take a you know, deceptive move to get the defender to get up. And then they get in the pocket and it's like, if they get it off, it's, it's over. And Caitlin Clark's very much like that. She's crazy. Like the pull up threes from deep are unreal. And I think part of the thing is, you know, damn well all week long or whatever. So whoever they play in the final four, I don't even know. I don't even know. I just, I just like watching her right now. Cause she's so unreal. They play South Carolina. They play South Carolina. It was not lost a game all year. Hasn't lost a game all year. Who I I know I used to have in class. One of the girls was going there next year. Should yeah. we miss Should we miss basketball this year? But um, you you know Don Staley is sitting there starting probably at practice today. She's like, we got to pick this girl up at half court, have to. But I think you get in a game and you get playing and you're so used to sprinting back underneath the basket and coming out and you get tired and you just lose track of the fact that she's gonna pull the trigger from like 35 feet and she did and she does. It's it's crazy. And she's an underrated passer. Like she will find and spot up. There's they got a couple of girls that just sit there and spot up, right? Because all the people sink into Caitlin Clark. Yeah. She'll take this crazy skip pass, find one of them, and they knock him down. So now you're kind of worried about that. And then she just kind of finds and works her way into the game. And she's yeah, she's a lot of fun. So she's stud. I, I, I have a daughter that loves basketball, and I don't know how good she'll get. I mean, she's not gonna be super tall, not gonna be super fast, <laughs> you know. But she loves the sport, and like I think if you can just kind of find a couple moves that you know you can go to, like I think you can be a really good high school basketball player if not find a, a niche in college too. Yeah, for sure. So, well, let's talk a little golf. I know it's a golf podcast, but it's every once in a while it's good to just you know get some hoops off our chest. It's a great time of year. It's March Madness, baby. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta let out your inner child when it comes to game winners and things like that. Um, We had our last match play event at Austin Country Club. I thought it delivered again. thought the course was obviously fits really well for match play. Um, You know, I found myself invested early. Like I was heavily invested on who's doing what, who's winning what pool. And I think as the week goes on, it just kind of drags a little bit. I mean, obviously you're kind of waiting to see who that final four is. But it does kind of, even when the final one's playing and the third, you know, place, fourth place is going on, it's kind of very easy to tune out unless it's elite matchup. I mean, I think, I don't think a lot of people can make it. It's like watching a long movie and it's like, can I just make it to the end or not? Even um, if it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, match play to me and everybody that's listened to the podcast before knows that it, it's the superior form of golf. Um, but it's like, March Madness. It doesn't disappoint, you know. Um, like, look at look at the final day. 
I mean, oh no, yeah, no, the Saturday, the semifinals, right? Was that Saturday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, semifinals with Cam with Cam Young. No, and semifinals. Rory. Semifinals are Sunday. Sunday morning. Yeah, Cam Young and Rory. You know, and 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 that extra hole or whatever the par five they went back to. Cam Young puts it in the bunker up against the lip. Rory's just you know fine, hits it up by the green, and Cam Young pitches out sideways and has like freaking two hundred yards yeah. in and makes a birdie. Like it does. Like that's the beauty of match play. In in stroke play and Rory and then Rory pars over and that's the that's it right yeah yep. like that is why right there that one hole sums up why match play is better than stroke play if that was just a normal tournament you know on hole whatever they're playing I mean unless it was eighteen I guess but you know a normal tournament no one's gonna care while wow, Cam Cam Young made a birdie and Rory made a par blah 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 but when it's match play and you're sitting there watching on TV like huh. Rory's Rory's greenside in two, and Cam Young's two hundred yards away. Uh, Rory's got him, and then the opposite happens, which it always does in match play. You, it's 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 like, you know, it's going to happen, even though you think it's improbable, and then it always somehow does. Um, or like when Scotty Scheffler misses that putt. Yes. You know, it, you're sitting there watching it. I was watching it. I was like, well, he's making this. I might as well just turn it, turn the channel. He's making it. He's not going to miss this, and then he misses it. Like crazy stuff happens in match play which I think is why it's so appealing um, to fans. And I also think like that course right there, I don't know if it'd be a great stroke play course because they would have to, they'd back all the tees up, you know, like they wouldn't have the one par four, 270 over water. You'd be hit. Everybody would be hitting iron out there to hundred and some yards and hitting a wedge. Like I think John Rahm hit it on the head. He said something about, I don't know if I'd come here for a stroke play, but for match play, it's great. You know, like, I don't know. 100%, like, I, I, think, 100%. I think Rom was even quoted as saying, Rom loves, loves match play, even though he got beat. He he said, I'd go play the John Deere if it's match play. You know, like that's, yeah. I don't, I don't understand. If the PGA tour said the commission, Monaghan said they, they want to get a match play event back at some point in time. I just don't. That had to be like a sponsorship deal. I don't know why they, the, uh, money's, the money's there. I don't, I, don't I think even know at Dell, some point, I don't even know the Dell was still a company. What the hell are they making anymore? They still make computers. <laughs> Dell computers? <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just sounded like Austin Country Club was sick of hosting it. Yeah, which is crazy. They to want me, the, the 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 people wanted you know they they were there's something with members and I don't know. It's just then put it somewhere else. Turn turn how good would this be? Turn the waste management into a match play event. You can still get boozed up. Instead of instead of having the par three on sixteen, flip some holes around so it's earlier in the match, like nine, yeah. ten, eleven. So everybody's got to come through there and play, and just have like a waste management kind of Ryder Cup kind of feel to where everybody's having a good time. That'd be awesome. Like I don't. They got that drivable par four would be sick. You know, coming down yes. the middle of the back nine. It's it's so different than what you're normally used to watching. It's it's so much more fun. The guys are the guys are going for birdies. So you get to see the full display of how good they really are. Like, did you see the one hole early in, in pool play where Rory drove that like 300 and some yard? Like, they think they had it at yeah. like, I don't know. And then Scott Stallings knew he had it because Rory went first, hit a good one up there. So Scott Stallings now knows he has to hit driver and hits it to like 10 feet. Like, yeah. that wouldn't happen in stroke play. 
that w- it's it just wouldn't happen when you're forced to do th- when you're that good at the level they are, especially if you're the guy hitting second when the other guys already hit a good one and you're forced to try to hit a great shot. Those guys can hit great shots because they're that good and it's fun to watch. They do stuff that they wouldn't normally do in a stroke play event. I just don't. I wish. I, I hope they find a way to get it back somewhere. And I think that Austin Country Club, like those last three holes, are fun to watch yeah, in match sweet. play because, like you said, like somebody could hit. For example, on 16 in the fairway, and you're thinking, oh, they only have 210 yards in. Somebody could be like 240 out. Somehow the guy 240 out maneuvers this little thing that kind of bounces up there and ends up, and the other guy in the fairway goes in the greenside bunker. You know, it's like that. And then 18 is the same way. Like 18, it's like, well, I I was surprised at how often we got to see 16, 17, and 18, how often the, 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 those matches were close enough that they mattered. Because yeah. eighteen is a, is a is a hole that you know when it comes to match play you don't really think it's going to be used all that much. Well, I saw plenty of drama on eighteen, so I don't know. I thought it was a really good. I, I think it's kind of you know in a way I don't know if it really. No, yes, I grant. I, I understand that Rory and Scotty Scheffler and he won. I don't think it. I think it doesn't always necessarily find the best player of the week. No, I think it. I think, um, you know what I think it finds? Those guys are all hitting it so good. Who's got a hot putter? And Sam Burns started making putts from all over the place. And, and you know, that's where, that's in match play, the ultimate equalizer. Like, like whenever I go play in match play tournaments, that is, and if you know the other guy's a great putter, it's the worst feeling in the world because you always feel like you got to hit a good shot. You know, you always feel like the other guy's going to make it. Uh, when somebody's get a hot putter going like Burns had, it's it's over with. You know, well, how, how else is how else is Kevin Kisner going to compete and win one of those events against those yeah. big guys? I mean, that's you know? that's he has that kind of edge on on just making an eight footer for par where you think he might miss. He never does, and that sort of thing. But yeah, the other thing I was thinking too, it's like match play. You really you start to actually have to worry about what somebody else is doing. And I don't think some people like to do that. I don't think, and I don't, I don't like to like have to, okay, where are you? Are you safe? Is this guy safe? Do I, okay. How do I play this now? Like, cause he's over here. He could be in trouble. So I'm going to try to like be safe. And all of a sudden now, because I took this tentative swing, now I'm in trouble. Like I, I just, I'm alternating my, idea of how I should play the hole and changing it, which is, you know, part of the allure of it. But like, I don't like thinking that way. Like, I, I just like, I just want to stay in my lane, play my ball, not care what my other people in my group are doing. Great, they make birdie, nice pot, you know, whatever it might be. But once I have to start worrying about somebody else's doing, like, I feel like it kind of gets me out of my game. You, yeah. I mean, I think um, the hardest part for me is it's like. It's pretty easy off the tee. Okay, some guy hits it in the shit. All right, let's hit it to a safe spot. Or they hit a bad shot. To me, it's telling yourself, trying to convince yourself when you're putting that this guy's going to make it. You know, you got a, you got a, uh, you know, a ten or twelve footer for birdie, and um, you know they have a twenty five footer for birdie. You know, something long. If they percentage wise, they wouldn't make it. It is so hard to tell yourself that, um, you know, he's going to make it. So I got to focus in and try to and, and make this putt because you're like, 
Otherwise, you're in that mode where it's like, oh, fuck it. I'm not going to lose the hole if I miss. I'm just going to, you know, we'll tie or whatever. Like, I think trying to convince yourself or tell yourself that to focus in because they're going to make a putt. Or, like, let's say they're putting for par and you're putting for birdie and you're sitting there like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to need a two putt, you know, to win this hole. And then they fucking make a 30 footer on you for par. And now you're like, Jesus, you know, because you've you've psyched yourself out kind of there. that's that's the hardest part for me whenever I'm playing a match. Just sitting there on the green, like trying to convince myself that you know we got to we got to make this putt, even though even though you're you're, te- you're half of you is telling you that you don't need to make it because they're not going to make it, and the other half's trying to tell you, but we can't think that way. So it's a total of mind fuck like the whole time putting, I think, and match play. But well, um, okay, so yes, yeah, so, well let's let's say you have a ten foot birdie putt to win the hole, but yes. if you put it by four feet, you also now have a four foot par putt. To yeah. potentially lose the hole, you know. Oh, so it's sure. like, what a what a change of emotion and like feeling where it's like, if I make this, I, but then you get over aggressive because you want to make it. Now you're grinding to not lose the hole, and I hate that feeling too. But in general, it's a more fun way to go because the big number doesn't matter. You know, I if agree. you're out there playing, like, you know, especially like in match play, like shit, the whole front nine. I mean, unless you're just getting blitzed. You know, if you go out there and hit one out of bounds and you're one down through eight, who cares? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like, you, you know, now if you're playing in stroke play and you hit one out of bounds, you take a quad, you're basically fucked. Like, you're not going to win, you know? Like, there's no chance almost unless you get crazy hot. But in match play, it's like, oh, you lose one hole, big deal. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's so more laid back. But I don't know. I was pulling for my guy, Cam Young, because uh, listeners, you know, you know that I made that prediction. He's going to be top 10 in the world by this year. And I think he's what, like 15 or something. He hasn't done much this year. No, he's 15. Yeah, he was 15. He was 15 in the um in the rankings for that. And then he got but blitzed I, by Sam Burns. Yeah, he did. Like I oh, think okay. uh, before we move on, I think can you imagine if you're if you're Jay Monahan or the TV and you're sitting there looking at those semis, and you're like, holy shit, we're gonna get Rory versus Scheffler in this championship match. <laughs> this is amazing. You know, like take that live live to what do you got on this and then they both get beaten you got two guys yeah. who are great players sam burns and cameron young great players top 20 in the world but there's about as much personality in those two as like this desk right here you know there's just no there's like no flair at all even though like like cam young just destroys the golf ball he should have so much flair people should love watching him but he's so bland and boring there's just nothing to those two guys when it comes to like personality well, which just kills it I think one thing that Cam Young has going for him that Sam Burns doesn't, Cam Young has a unique uh, approach to golf, has a unique, yeah. unique swing, right? So he's got at least that. Like, and the same with Scott Scheffler. Like, Scott Scheffler's not, like, necessarily has any personality that's fun, but he's just got that shot making, the feet are everywhere. That's something different to watch where it's like Sam Burns has your prototypical really good player swing, right? Yeah. And he has, does not move the needle for me whatsoever. It's like I've seen a 1,000 players that look like that. Right. I've seen that everybody looks like that. But then when you get a Cam Young, even though he's not great personality, he has got a swing that's kind of just unique and different. That's what I think makes a little bit of a, of a difference between those two. I love Cam Young's swing. I wish I could do it. I try it. I'm out there on the driving range. Like, I don't go to the range very often, but like before, once in a while, if I'm at the driving range, I'm out there trying to pause at the top like Cam Young and Hideki, and I can't do it. Like, it's so, I would love to be able to. It's so sweet. And I was listening to Parker McLaughlin um, talk about Cam Young because of his swing and how steep he is. I don't know, can, can spin the ball like insane amounts compared to the rest of the guys on tour. But 
you're right. They, they don't move the needle at all. But, uh, man, I would love to be able to pause the top like that. But, like, the crazy thing, and before we move on, is watching Scotty Scheffler try to hit a draw is like going down to the local Muni and just standing there, like, watching some, you know, hacker. It's the most bizarre thing. The number one player in the world and he does he does it he hits it great but yeah. this it looks like some guy just playing on a saturday morning at a local muni like just hacking it looks like out. a guy that just saw like on tiktok how to hit a draw it's so he's bizarre. out there tr- trying what he just you know is trying to do yeah he's uh yeah i don't know it looks like he guides it sometimes and it's just like money he perfect so i don't so know around his body like he's just so everything's exaggerated trying to draw it and be flatter yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I think he he does like he does make exciting golf in terms of just how he plays it, but just you know the personality is just not there. I was gonna say, you know, is round is Rory rounding into form here for that green you know oh, elusive yeah. green oh, yeah. jacket? You know, I I heard heard he had supposedly nineteen putts in a round at Augusta, so I don't know if that's uh, just missing tons of greens and getting up and down every time, or did he go ten under? You know, like, what did he do if he had only 19 putts? And then on top of that, played really well this week, had tons of birdies, didn't have any, like, really yeah, yeah. bad Rory holes that he's kind of accustomed to having. So, I don't know. Could be the this could is, be the ticket. This is the year. I remember there was an episode last year. I think you were gone. So, it was Tim and I. We made our predictions for the 2023 yeah. for all four. I had my boy Rory winning the, win the, the Grand Slam at – Augusta, but I'm really concerned with my U.S. Open pick after this week. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had Zal Torres winning the U.S. Open, and he was a disaster in <laughs> that funny. play. Just a complete disaster. That one short putt. Oh my God, what is going on? Well, that's just what he does. I mean, that's not like the first time he's done that. So but he, he played he terrible. He got his ass kicked, like just killed. Then yeah, he withdrew. Yeah. Then he quit. Then he withdrew his last match. But he's that guy too. Like I think he's could be that guy that you know when he has to start worrying about somebody else, he just wants to worry about what he's doing. He he might be that kind of a guy, and he and obviously the USA is is you know going to need him in in the Ryder Cups and whatever else because he's going to be you know either a pick or a automatic qualifier or whatever. So he's going to have to figure that out you know was, in some way or another. I was but, disappointed with Homa also. He didn't like he got he got to his uh, pool. But he, I thought he'd yeah, be a real tough he went, out. He went three and zero. I mean, he, I, I don't like honestly like match play. Anybody can beat anybody. It's like I've seen Rory lose to the sixtieth ranked guy. Oh yeah, you know, one sure. year. Like it's just like I don't know how to explain it. It's just timing. It's all right. Scotty Scheffler should have probably lost like four times this week. Let's be honest. Yeah. Somebody either did something dumb, or he made some miraculous like somehow saved it. He relied on other people just like melting down. Like there, I just I don't know if you can put all that stock into whether yeah, I mean, or not uh, you know Max I, uh, Homa, Max Homa played well, but I mean some guy just randomly starts making a putt or whatever. It's like what can you do? With Zal Torres, I think he's got to be a little bit hurt. Maybe he's got the back and the hip issue, but like I also think he's a guy. I think he plays with a chip on his shoulder, like. Like I think he'll be he's a guy that that like people will talk shit about him like I am right now about how, <laughs> shitty, he, about how shitty he was, you know. And he'll hear some of that, not from us. Well, maybe we'll if you're listening, come on the pod. Um, but um 
and I think he's the kind of guy that'll be like, you know what? Oh, I can't. You don't think I can do it? I'll show you. Or, or it's like you guys all think I can't make a putt, and then he shows up the PGA Championship at Southern Hills, and he makes everything. Like I think mm-hmm. he holds that grudge kind of and plays with a little bit of edge to him, where stuff like this might kind of like motivate him a little bit, where he, where he struggles and people make fun of him or whatever, and like he's gonna be like, I'm gonna show you guys. I don't know. Or you're too small and skinny, so then he goes and figures out how to bomb it, which he yeah. does. You know, like it doesn't. Yeah. Like I think he's kind of like that. So. Well, that was, uh, you know, uh, owed to to a dead, uh, not guy, but owed to a dead tournament as as hopefully somehow that match play returns. I think it's good enough television and entertainment, yeah, to to do it. I think it's got to be at the right golf course, though. If it's not, it may not be as as fun to watch. Um, Well, we're not going to talk about this. We've got the Valero Texas Open coming up this week. I don't think we're going to hash through any picks. We're going to, we're kind of gear up for the the Masters that's coming the following week. We're going to kind of make some some probably some cool fun crazy predictions and who knows if we you know do some sort of picks and gambling picks whatever but the masters is obviously amazing and and everybody loves the masters and and so with that coming up we'll we'll have to kind of do more um of our pick kind of stuff for that we'll save it and the Villar Texas also to be honest does not have a great field anyways I don't think we're missing out on much I don't think our listeners are caring that much betting no that much this week. they're Kim saving their money for next week is what yeah. they're doing. No one's watching the Valero. No. Tim will tell Tim will tell you how great the course is or whatever, but no one's watching that shit. I'm sure, I'm sure he did. So our guy Andrew Novak's playing. So go Andrew. Hopefully he wins. Yeah, like we've had some. So Novak played okay. Uh, um, we, you know, I was gonna say that in the Bahamas. Uh, I was texting with with John a little bit. Yeah, you know, we haven't had a chance. There. And he then did. he just he said his putter he could not make anything his whole back nine just didn't did had nothing no momentum didn't have anything going for him I was hoping that he would win we were hoping that he could win so he'd be a, you know locked in at the Masters and and stuff but did not happen I was really hoping on Thursday that JJ Henry would hang on to his hot start <laughs> JJ Henry was <laughs> did you see he was like seven under through like through like fourteen holes or something like crazy like that. But of course he's terrible now by their standards. So he didn't yeah. he fell apart. The ultimate playing on exemptions guy. Yeah. So well I, I that's that's really all the you know the golf stuff that ha- actually you know what? There was one more thing I want to bring up. So we had a we had a listener that reached out, want to talk about, you know, just a couple of things. So the first thing that they mentioned is um uh let's see here. I just want to make sure I pull this up. The oh let's see where is it? All right, so he says he wants to know our thoughts on do you, would you rather hit a two and three iron or are you going to be going to hybrids for those clubs? I know, I think I know your answer, Mike. You hit your two iron really well. Two iron, yeah. Um, um, for me, I would say into, I have a two iron and I actually hit it really well in Florida, so I'm kind of happy about that, but I have not hit it great. And as we know, the older you get, you know, you, you kind of want to have a, a ball coming a little bit higher. I like, I still actually have a hybrid. So I actually have both because I like to come in like 215, 220 with something a little bit higher. And uh, so I use that club, but I think it's preference and kind of fits whatever fits your game. I'm not necessarily against hybrids. I had one. I just, and maybe it was the shaft was right, but I just hooked the shit on it. Yeah, I think you can hook them really bad. I hooked it so bad all the time. And I just like the two iron because I can flight it. You know, if it's into the, I can play it down if need to be. You know, it goes, 
it goes plenty high, you know, off a of tee or if you hit out the fairway, which doesn't happen that often, but it goes plenty high. Uh, I mean, not like you're going to stop it on a dime or anything, but I like that I can flight it down and play the low stinger kind of. But I think if it ever came down to getting something, I would probably, and I think this is becoming maybe a trend on tour also, instead of the hybrid, a lot of guys are going back to like the five woods. You see a lot of like five woods, seven woods, and stuff like that. Yeah, just a, I think that's becoming more and more of a thing. I don't know why. Um, I guess for me, whenever I'm looking at like the three wood, two iron, five wood, I'm thinking primarily off the tee for tee shots because yeah. it like, yeah, you know, like I don't, I don't hit three woods into green, you know, unless we're playing a really long par five, but. Um, or even like two irons that often off the fairway, just, I I think about it almost exclusively off the tee. So for me, um, that's the number one thing is what would I have to tee and getting the distance gapping proper? Like, yeah. like if you have a two iron and a three iron, okay. And you have them both and, or a three hybrid, um, you know, whatever you got to make sure the gapping is right. Like you don't want, you don't want to, you don't want to get a hybrid just to get a hybrid and have two clubs in the bag somewhere that uh, like go the same distance. Mm-hmm. Cause that's not very bad. Ben- that's not benefiting you. So tr- just getting like the gaps down is probably the biggest thing. All right. Last question. Alcohol level for performance enhancement. <laughs> what, what's your, what's your like magic? Well, uh, like? Doogie McShanks would say, <laughs> uh, what did he say? Three of them or something like that. And it's like I perfect think, enhancement. Yeah. I think that one depends on what you're drinking. So this is there, there's, there are for me, if I start out around drinking beer the whole time, um, Oh man, I don't even know. Optimal performance if we're drinking like Coors Light, you know, not like basically water, basically water. (laughs) I would say the optimal number. I don't know, four or five, maybe six, somewhere in there, four, five, six, you know, whatever, like not enough where you're going to be falling over, but enough where you're feeling, you know, decent and whatever. I do think if you're drinking like, like seltzers, like white claws and stuff. Those I you I can drink a ton of, and then they don't hit. You don't feel it, and then it all of a sudden hits you at once, and it's like holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so those so I I spent a lot of Birchmont rounds in the midji drinking like like vodka lemonades and be just fine, and then all of a sudden I get to like hole seventeen of the match, and I'm and I'm tipsy, and I'm like oh this is not good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'd say I don't it, normal round for me. I probably have a few. Well, it depends. Once in a while, if I'm taking from my own car out of the trunk, I'll fill the bag. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> That's a different story. Then, then you're going to be more aggressive on uh, maybe. But like, I think normally I would probably just have a few drinks on the front nine, two, three. You know, whatever yeah. couple. Like, I don't. It depends. I mean, it depends on the event. We we that Twin Cities match play last year that we lost in the championship at Baker National. When I I was late, of course, getting there, and Tim rolled up with a bottles like Everclear and some strawberry lemonade from Chili's of course we were drinking that in our cart the whole time at Baker was pretty tight that didn't end up well for us <laughs> so I don't know I, I think it's relative, I, I relative to the be, person you don't want to be the guy who gets like overly drunk and is a dipshit you you, no, you want to be able fun. to have fun and stay in that 
zone somewhere. That's not fun. And it's like, you also get the potentially, you know, somebody get, get the angry guy too. Like, yeah. oh, no, I, I expect, you know, to play well. And the, so there's a lot of factors. I think it's kind of like, you know, probably two aside. Yeah. You know, two, two, two drinks aside or beers aside or whatever it might be. So it's probably kind of what I would do. Or I don't think I'd have much more than that, to be honest. But uh, no, so, anyways. I mean, yeah. Well, anything else? Uh, we, we, you know, we chat a lot of hoops, got a little golf talk again. What do we up. got? Well, a couple things here. I am, I am, uh, making my, I think this weekend coming up, my 2023 golf Ooh. debut. You guys are, you guys are way ahead of me. Many rounds played yeah. so far between you and Tim between December and now. I, uh, we're going down a couple of us. Tim might come on Sunday. We're going down to Iowa. Um, I'm just making a one night drive down apparently everywhere around us other than our area has golf courses open like <laughs> wisconsin crazy. has golf open southern minnesota has golf open iowa and then i look out in my yard here and there's like 14 feet of snow still so yeah, not good. Um, we're gonna play somewhere in des moines i'm not sure yet if we're gonna play a tournament player club or uh or tournament whatever it's tournament club of Term- iowa. Ter- tournament club of iowa great course that, love the legacy place. down there i actually kind of like waveland uh, which is a public course that has its own, it has like a, a space observatory on the golf course. That's by Drake university. It's, it's the oldest public course West of the Mississippi. Um, really? yep. And, uh, I'm not sure. And then we're going to also, I think for sure on Sunday, we're going to play, uh, the Iowa state course, which is called Beekner or Vinker or something like that, which is a Perry Maxwell golf course. So I've never played a Perry Maxwell course or so I'm, you know, I don't think it'll be as esteemed as Southern Hills or Prairie Dunes or, you know, he helped out with Augusta and stuff, but it's a Prairie Maxwell. So we're going to try to get at least some golf in. We'll see if we can break 80. I usually play pretty well early in the year because I'm just happy to be out there. Yep, exactly. And I have hit more balls indoors this winter than ever. So the hopes are high. We'll probably make it to the High Life Lounge, one of my favorite bars downtown okay. Des Moines, which is awesome uh, for some Final Four stuff. We'll see, but... Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll get some content out there, I'm sure. Yeah, nice. Um, also, we got a few spots open for our Masters event still. That's right. Yeah, a couple spots. Um, hit us up. Just send us a message, email, whatever. We'll get you in. Um, I'm anticipating that people are kind of trying. Obviously, it's Easter weekend. I think some of your, some people are anticipating playing maybe real golf around here, which I don't expect to, to actually no. happen. But, Nothing but I, I can't think of what would be more fun, honestly, like, Playing Augusta, playing Augusta in those Sims is awesome too. Like I really felt feel yeah, like it's got yeah I, I got um you know great graphics for it and then um the fact that you get to watch it and, and hang out and, and things like that I think it's gonna be a good time. So yeah, join us. Let's do it. Like what people have maybe don't understand is that every they have six bays there, and every single bay um has its own TV in screen. So we're gonna you're gonna play Augusta. It's good. I've, we've played it. And you're going to be watching the Masters because we got it from 2 to 6 on Saturday the 8th. So you're going to play it. You're going to get a watch with a bunch of people in there. You know, if somebody makes a hole in one, it's going to be going crazy. And Yeah, you know, moving day. It's be, moving day beer. at yeah. the Masters. Moving day. Like, this yeah, is a big yeah. day. It's going to be That's awesome. Scotty, Scott, Smiley Coffin made his move that one year. Yeah, we got a few spots well, left. So just email <laughs> us or, you know, message us or whatever. It's going to be best ball. We're going to yep. have skins. We're going to pay out some skins and maybe a few places in the golf event or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking at the forecast right now, and I will tell you right now, the there is 
The highest temperature until that day is 49 degrees this Sunday, the second. And there is a, there is possible snow coming. Of course. There's no way we're going to be outside around here, uh, you know, on Saturday the 8th. I don't see it happening by then. We're going to be stuck inside still. So why not play Augusta and watch uh, Augusta? Yeah. Like, hell That's yeah, right. it's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. So uh, get a hold of us. Uh, anything else before we uh, sign out here? I don't think so. Just give us the old uh, subscribes, follows, likes, all that stuff, social media, whatever. So, all right. Well, as you know, the difference between 79 and 80 is everything. Maybe today's the day I brigade it. What the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I got to keep it on the 80. It's the gold. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.